Welcome to Show Your Scars with me, Jordan Angeli. Using my experience as a former professional athlete, I will take you inside the journey back from a devastating injury. Although we may not choose for this to happen to us, we appreciate who we become in the process. Now, let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to Show Your Scars. Today's podcast review is titled Love This Podcast. It's M. Toby, and they say, after never having a serious injury in my whole life, tearing my ACL during basketball devastated me. Still in the beginning of my journey, about two and a half weeks after surgery, but this podcast motivates me to be better. Thank you so much for that, and I hope that wherever you are in your process now, you're finding hope and strength and figuring out that return to play aspect. If you guys want to be featured as our podcast review, please give us a review and rate us on iTunes. That is not only a way for you to claim your free Show Your Scars refocus band, but it also helps just get the buzz out about what we are doing and get into the ears of people like you who want and need a little bit of support through this journey. So thank you guys so much. Show your scars. Hey, everybody. I hope you're doing well and enjoying wherever you are. It's April Fool's when I'm recording this, so I hope that you don't fall for anything too serious. But also, pranks are fun, so I hope they bring you a laugh today. I am bringing you a podcast from someone that is really near and dear to my heart, my lifelong friend and teammate, Caroline Coble. She is a Colorado native, grew up playing soccer with her. She was one of the best players, not only in the state growing up, but in the U.S. She was an incredible soccer player, continued her career at Cal in college, and when she was there, she tore her ACL during her time at Cal. What I talked to Caroline about is about her recovery from that ACL and how she's used that to help her in what she's doing now, not only in life, but the mentality of how to get through hard things. She has a lot of really good things to say and Caroline has really honed in how to use the mental side because the girl is now a professional triathlete. She is going to be competing on the professional side this year in Ironman competitions around the world. Talk about mental toughness. She has a lot of good things to say. I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as I enjoyed talking to my friend and letting her share her story. Here she is, Caroline. Caroline, hi. I'm so excited to talk to you. Hi, Jordy. <laughs> hey, girlfriend. This is going to be so Thanks fun. Yeah, I love <laughs> I love that we get to chat. Um, been friends longer in our lives than we've not been friends because we met when we were, gosh, how old were we? Ten years old, maybe even younger than that. I think even younger. Yeah, we are. We were little babes. We were little babes with the scrawniest <laughs> little skinny legs you've ever seen, and. <laughs> Um, we were. We were. Uh, thanks for taking a little time today. I know that you are doing so many cool things in, you know, not only your athletic endeavors, but you have a great job. And to take a little bit of time to chat with me means a lot because I think that's one of the cool things, too, about like going through difficulties in our life is like people that go through ACL injuries are not just like pro athletes, right? They are also CEOs mm -hmm. and they work as head of departments in uh, different arenas in life. And so I think it's really cool to connect those, those things. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I, I work full time and I still, you know, I still do sports pretty seriously and I, I'm a triathlete and it's, Still all about time management and squeezing in training before and after work whenever I can and um, the injuries I've, I have held, had to deal with um, have, it's been hard you know you have to manage your rehab and squeeze it in and be super diligent and committed to to the process of healing um, but you know I, I had to do that in college anyway so I would say I've, I've, I'm pretty well prepared for it right. um, but yeah 
pro athletes are not are not the only ones that that deal with this kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think it's sometimes even more difficult. Regular people. Yeah, regular <laughs> regular people who are also iron women. But like, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, True. <laughs> uh, but it's it's sometimes even more difficult when you aren't in school, when you aren't a pro athlete, to get that rehab in and to take care of your body because life is demanding. And, um, when that's not your income or that's not your, uh, you're not in school, it's just a different life. So I think a lot of people relate to your story and, um, kind of not only what you're doing now, but how you used what you learned in, in your athletic endeavors to help you succeed now. So Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I want to, I want to go back though, because we both grew up in, um, Lakewood, Colorado. And when you were growing up, I know what your family dynamic was from, you know, an outside perspective, but what was it like to be a member of the Lee, the Lee clan? And was, were you guys just obsessed with sports? Cause it seemed like that from the outside. Yes. Gosh, what was it like to be a member of our family? So um, my mom, Linda, is uh, quite the firecracker. Um, she she is super supportive of all of our sports, um, but also, you know, very intense and had high expectations and expected us to, to do our best and commit to it. If, if we were going to do something, you commit and you and you practice. Um, your hardest and then we had my dad Mike big Mike who's just the sweetest man um, and the most supportive dad he's like honey as long as you're having fun doing what you're doing that's all I care about Um, and so it was actually a really good balance between the two Um, and they both were fantastic soccer parents you know came to all our games and and loved the team and supporting the team and I was the youngest of three kids. Um, my, me, my, my brother Scott, who's poor guy, sandwiched between two two ladies. Um, and then my older sister Margaret. She's four years older than me, um, and she was a stud soccer player. Uh, and growing up, I was essentially my my end goal in life was to be like her in every way. I think, um, yeah. especially soccer. So. And then my brother played as well, but I think he, you know, he didn't, I don't think he quite loved it as much as us, but he played very competitively as well all throughout high school um, and and was a, a badass in his own right. Mm-hmm. And you talk about Margaret and um, because I remember that too, growing up, we had such a cool dynamic with not only our team because our team was pretty legit. But I think our team was legit, Liney, because Caroline, I'm going to call you Liney. It's just going to happen, people. Um, I think our team was legit because we had this this group to look up to of like, uh, you know, four years older. Margaret's team was really influential in like how we looked at soccer. Yeah, I yeah, I know. I think there there are some moments uh, that that are really clear to me growing up of like when did I realize I really loved soccer mm-hmm. and Margaret and her team is is a huge part of both of those moments. Um, we I feel like we would just follow them around and do whatever they did when they would like crimp their hair <laughs> for games and crimp their ponytail. We would do it too. Um, just everything they did, I know we were all like we would just follow them obsessively, but. There was a moment I remember my sister, um, she was, I think she was an outside mid for the most part on her, her rush team. And she was in high school. I think she was a sophomore, maybe or a junior. And she was on the, on the cusp of getting cut. Her, her, her coach was like, Margaret, you're on the cusp. Uh Um, you need to put a lot of work in, in order to stay on this team, um, or you're out. And he was pretty black and white about it. And he essentially gave her the summer to start training uh, improve herself and so here I am four years younger playing soccer I like it I kind of if anything view it as like a way to burn off some steam after school with my guest my best friends and run around and play a sport that's pretty fun but Margaret got into full training mode like serious training mode it was double days fitness skills practicing with boys all of the above um, and I essentially just tagged along, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that summer was, I, I, first of all saw 
what a stud my sister is and stud not just like in the athletic sense but in the sense of her ability to commit Mm. and like day after day session after session show up right and and see progress and so I think that that summer is when I really learned like what training means um and I learned so much from her and like show up chip away focus on the details train when you're tired no excuses um and and you know you'll learn a lot from it and in margaret's case you know she she made the team and did not get cut became one of the starters and she went on to be three-time national champion with that team back to back to back and i don't think any team i'm out of the soccer world a little bit now. i don't follow it as closely but i don't think any other team has done that since I would doubt it. I would have to look that up, but that's a pretty incredible feat. And, and just to have that person, not only to see it from afar, but to like experience it in your house on the field, you know, like all those little things to teach you those lessons, man, you just went through so many lessons that I don't think people sometimes learn until they're in their twenties, you know, the persistence it takes to achieve a goal and it paid off for you Caroline because you know that influence that you had from Margaret over that summer like you I remember you just turning you were always a really good player but I remember you coming back and just dominating you know don't do you feel like that was a not only a, a point like a turning point in your career but a turning point in you like being passionate about something Yes, completely. I think it was it was a pivotal point for me as an athlete and a person. I think it uncovered how obsessive I can be. Um, sometimes I'm a little insecure about that characteristic, and I, I feel like I have to keep it in check. But I also feel like I've been able to channel that obsession in mm-hmm. really good ways. Mm-hmm. And I was able to do that in soccer and, like, if I care deeply about something, I put my blinders on and it's like I become addicted to the progress, like the process of progressing. Um, I remember like probably I, I joke about this, but it's true. Like my proudest athletic moment, I think of my life still to date mm-hmm. is juggling 1500 times in the backyard in the dark by myself on like a Tuesday night um, because like it was just culmination of all of the extra work I had done outside Mm -hmm. of practice you know by myself like having my dad turn on all the lights in the backyard so that I could keep juggling and practicing in the backyard and I remember that moment it was really intimate I was by myself and I was like oh my god it worked like all this obsession and like all the all the all the practice it worked and I was so proud of myself and I think that moment too is like I have to keep this in my life I have to keep pushing because that was that was such a good feeling that is incredible like that moment I remember you talking about that at training and me thinking like what I can barely get like 150 and she just got 1500 like are you kidding me and like I I think we were like not that we didn't we didn't juggle on our own or like, but I just feel like kids spend so much more time working. You know, they understand more what it is like to work outside your team because of people like Mm. your sister, because of us, you know, it's, it was like slowly building of like how to really progress into a better soccer player overall is like, there's work to be done beyond Totally. your team and that goes for anything like right yeah. if there's work to be done besides your schoolwork or like being at school you have to do work beyond that there's work to be done beyond going to work every day there's probably stuff you have to do beyond that so um it's just it's cool to hear you recognize those things because I think people would look at you your athletic endeavors as a, a youth player and wouldn't have any clue that those would be the things that you would pick out right yeah I feel to your point I feel so lucky that like this challenge this pretty huge challenge my sister faced head on that I was like a beneficiary of it Mm -hmm. kind of like a passive bystander but I you know I was paying attention and I was absorbing it like a sponge so very lucky basically lucky my sister was patient enough to let me tag along I'm sure she hated every minute of it at the time but 
um, very, very lucky to have learned that lesson when I did. Yeah. I bet Margaret is so thankful for those times now though. And, and as are you, you know, like I bet those are moments that you guys still talk about that. You're like, man, that, that was pretty cool. And that you guys got to do that together. So, um, and we were lucky enough to play on the same club team for so many years and, um, win national championships and win regional championships and laugh a lot along the way. Like, um, I mean, even when we were just starting this mm-hmm. podcast, I was like, man, I, I feel like she's going <laughs> to giggle right at the beginning. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. but what, what stands out to you? Like, as being a member of a team, like what was, what do you think was so special about that rush team that we had? Gosh, I was thinking about this and I just was getting so nostalgic about our team. I think honestly, I played on a lot of teams. I played on regional teams, national teams. I played in college, but our rush team was the best team I've ever been on. Um, And I think it was, like the synergy of our team uh-huh. and like we were such goofballs we were like best friends off the field we wanted to spend all our free time together we were so goofy and so silly but we also like had the ability to flip the switch and go lights out the second we had to you know even if that was during practice like we'd be giggling and laughing during warm-up and blah, blah, blah. And then the second we were doing one-on-ones, it was like nothing else mattered. Blinders on, we were going after it. And we were just, we were all gamers. We were all like, it's like if we were a a train, it was like everyone, get on the train, we're not slowing down. And everyone got on board. Yeah. And, And we were just gamers. And we were all like knew how to step up in big games. We just as much as we knew how to like kick back and be idiots in the hotel after together. <laughs> um, and like, if you can't do both, it's just, I don't think like the success of a program or a team is, is, is going to last that long if you don't have both of those things. And like our coaches were, were the same level of intense, but also silly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, those are the moments I think back on is like how intense we could be one minute and just joking around and laughing the next. Yeah. And it I was loved our little squad. We, gosh, we were, it was, it was a, <laughs> such a special group and it's, um, what's interesting to me that you said is like everybody knew how to step up because when you looked back yeah. like over our team, I wouldn't have been like, oh, this person was the best player on our team. Like I could look at each person no and be like, wow, they played like a, such a significant role. Like we needed them on the team because of this. Like it was just really cool. And I don't think that happens a lot, especially in youth, um, youth settings, right? That there's usually one player that's just like, lights out so much better than everybody else but like we all worked so well together absolutely no we didn't have like the star player that we all focused on and that was how we were going to win games it was like we needed every one of us it was, yeah. yeah it was pretty unique i think and at the time it was unique it was so much fun we had a blast um man I could tell some really embarrassing stories about us, but I'm going to hold those. I'm going to hold off on them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we, we had a good time. Yeah. And like, Thank you for sparing me. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I think what was cool, too, is like you started to find success, and you were uh, playing not only with the regional team but with the national team and then starting to get recruited by a lot of different colleges as uh, a high schooler. And do you remember that process at all? How, what is What stands out to you about uh, the process of being recruited and um, then maybe why you chose to go where you went to go? Yeah, um, I remember the process as being a little overwhelming, frankly, at the time. You know, you're, you're I mean, they start recruiting so early. I'm sure it's even earlier now. Like, I was starting to get, you know, unofficial letters of interest when I was in eighth grade, um, which is flattering at the time, but it's also overwhelming. Uh Um, And so, you know, it it was cool. It, it again, was flattering in that, like, this is the result of all the work I put in, that these schools are interested. This is, this is my, this was my dream and my goal was to play division one soccer at a, at a top program at a, 
and also as equally important, I think, at a at a top school mm-hmm. um, where I knew I would get a good education. And so that was my goal. And um, so it was great, but overwhelming. And so I, you know, I, I was I was lucky enough to get recruited by some of some really great programs. Um, but I decided to get to play at, at UC Berkeley, which is a, a great program in its own right. Um, but I wouldn't describe them at the time as, you know, one of the powerhouse programs in the country. Yeah. Um, I committed the beginning of my junior year, um, which was, it was good to like not have to worry about it anymore after that and not stress. But I would say it might've been a little bit early. Um, I didn't take my official visits, which I would highly recommend uh, that you do. Um, they were all kind of unofficial visits on a road trip with my mom. Um, and so it's not that it felt rushed cause it was my own timeline. I'm the one that chose to, to commit early my junior year, but in retrospect, I wish I had taken a little bit more time, you know, to, to take advantage of my, my official visits and such. But I chose Berkeley, um, because it's, it's an incredible school and Berkeley in and of itself is, uh, eccentric city it's kind of grimy it has a really unique history um that you know there's so much about it that was so different from how and where i grew up and that was also really important to me was not to get away from where i grew up because i love colorado but just to get outside my comfort zone and go somewhere where i'd kind of feel small um because i knew that that's how i would grow the most and i think you know, I think it was the right decision for me. I really loved Berkeley a lot. It's a crazy place, but <laughs> um, I, I really loved it. Yeah. You want to talk about one thing because you're going to be astonished. Like, we, we think that you committing early was junior year. There's girls, there's freshmen in high school that are committing to where they're going to go to college. And it is. It's such an overwhelming yeah. process. Yeah, it's, it's really sad, and I hope that it continues to change back into a place where it's much more like uh, their senior year they get that opportunity to go on those recruiting trips and to you know because they don't anymore they're they're committed so early um, that they don't even I mean at that time you don't even know what you want to do with your life is that an NCAA yeah is that an NCAA violation yeah there is ways you know there's always ways to get around things and um it's right. just like young girls, and I don't know how prominent it is on the, the men's side, but, um, you know, you have the ability to communicate with coaches, so you can call coaches, and um, coaches can talk to your club coaches, the college coaches can, and yeah, just kind of, they can go on unofficial visits and check it out, just like you and I did, but when we were juniors, and um yeah, they can, they commit, they verbally commit, which is what you did, right? You verbally committed when you were a junior and there's always the ability to change, but it is, it's crazy. And I remember how overwhelming that process was and we were juniors and seniors, you know, I didn't commit till midway through my senior year. And I just know too, that if I would have committed when I was a freshman, I would have been going to, um, Colorado College you know like I would have never gone to Santa Clara so it's just crazy that those lessons that you were talking about you know those things in your life that you got the ability to develop over not only before high school but then really learn like the and and see the fruit of all your your hard work that that wouldn't be recognized if you commit when you're a freshman you know it's just a crazy world yeah it really is that's it makes me sad to hear that. Yeah. It's, that's too early. That's it too is. Early. It is. So, um, you know, I can't get my heart too wrapped around that because you know me, I'm a passion person. Yeah. My passion person. I'm like, <laughs> here's my next thing I'm doing. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, maybe that should be your next thing. Right. Well, it's always, I'm, <laughs> I'm always in there chatting about some things, but we'll, we'll see what happens. But you decide to go to Cal. And this is amongst, you know, a lot of different top schools in the country. And it's, it's cool to hear from you, you know, why. And I think it goes back to that idea, you know, and those lessons that you learned when you were younger is like, you knew that if you stepped outside your comfort zone, 
and trained with your sister or worked on things, you saw that that would help you progress and get better. And uh, same thing there, right? You know, I'm going to go to a place as, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you thought I'm going to go to a soccer school where they're good, but like I could help them become something different. Yeah, that was, that was the the most intriguing uh, piece for me about the Cal soccer program is like, they were good. And like, why weren't they better? You know, Mm. they're in the heart of Northern California where some of the best club teams and best players in the country are coming out of like, and they're part of this incredible uh, educational institution. Why aren't they better? And like, let's make them better. Mm -hmm. Um, And we had a pretty impressive recruiting class at the time. Um, So I was pumped. Uh, And on top of that, you know, there is two females on the coaching staff who I I greatly admired at the time and their passion, um, their passion just like oozed out of them when you met them. And that was a huge draw for me as well. They, one of them was part of like the first, uh, division one women's soccer team back in the eighties and she was still coaching at Cal. Wow. And so to, to have that type of influence, um, at a program like Cal, I think that was, I didn't know it at the time, but it was really important for me too. um, and uh, I really, I really appreciated learning from from someone like her name's JT. Mm-hmm. Learning from someone like her throughout throughout my college career, mm-hmm. that was a, a big selling point too. Yeah, and it is just like it's those relationships and that ability to see someone that's done the things that you want to do. Like we underestimate how much power that has, you know, that's why I think people tune into this podcast because they may be going through an injury and they're like, Oh, well that person did it. Like I can do it. And it brings it into be a reality for yourself. hundred percent. You have to like see it in, in reality to know that it's possible. Mm -hmm. Um, and we had, we had that at Cal and you know what, Cal, Cal's a great program. We, while I was there, we did pretty well. Um, I think the best we got pack 10, it was the pack 10 at the time. Uh-huh. I am dating myself. Holy cow. I am old. <laughs> you can cut that part. But anyway, it was the pack. <laughs> it was the pack 10 at the time. Um, and definitely one of the, you know, one of the more competitive conferences in the country, and we finished, I think we got second one year, and it was by, like, one point uh, behind UCLA, I think. Um, and so we, you know, we made we made big strides while I was there. Yeah. Um, I think we got as far as the third round in the playoffs one year, which is the furthest we had ever gotten. But, like, you can't – and I'm, I'm still bummed we never made it to the Final Four because I thought we were good enough, um, and that was my goal, but – you know, it doesn't all happen overnight. And I think we, I think we made some, some good headway in the four years that I played there. Right. And you did, we always had to play each other since we couldn't get, we couldn't go too far away from each other, Liney. Like I just was down the road at Santa Clara and you were up the road at Cal and, um, Mm -hmm. both had good experiences in college, but it wasn't without trials, you know, and trials that I think neither one of us had really had to deal with before you did break your um foot your foot or your leg i yeah i shattered my foot yeah um in fourth grade but it was completely my own fault yeah um, do you want to tell everybody i lost a bet and <laughs> yeah you know uh long story short <laughs> I was with my friend Ashley at her house, and she dared me to jump off her balcony, um, which was about 14 feet high, and we first let her bird fly off the balcony, and he landed okay, so we figured oh, Caroline will land okay, clearly. too. Yeah. Not so smart. <laughs> we put a pillow down, um, but I missed the pillow and shattered my foot, uh, broke almost every bone in my foot, broke my growth plate all that jazz had to get surgery and pins and um so this isn't a pity party because it was self-induced but it was a pretty major injury and, and um my my doc i was just gonna say the doctor said she wasn't sure i'd ever run again correctly. wow um and so that was you know fourth grade so what you're 10 years old uh-huh. um and i remember all i cared about was getting back on the soccer field huh. um and that was all I thought about. And then I came back. Do you remember what that... My foot's still a size smaller than the other one. Yeah. But hey. Yeah. It makes buying shoes <laughs> buying shoes interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you remember being 
like what that was like? Was it a long process to get back? How long did it take you to recover from that? Um, it, good question. I don't remember exactly how long. Um, I think it was essentially like over the summer. I, you know, I, I got surgery, put pins in. I was in um, a cast with crutches for several weeks and then in a walking boot for another couple months, I think, while mm-hmm. my foot was healing. Um, and I remember them taking the cast off for the last time. And my calf, I was already like bird legs, but my calf looked like my wrist. Like it yeah. had, I had no muscle. Yeah. Um, and I remember getting back in the pool to try and swim, which is, which was like traumatizing at the time. And it just hurt so bad. And I remember being a little, it felt daunting, you know, coming mm-hmm. back from that. Cause I had such a long way to go, but, um, you know, I think I was back. You were young, you were resilient at that age. I was back playing, I think a few months later, I think the first game back, there, Joy. The first game back, I played goalie actually. Yeah, with was, my walking. I was gonna say at, at the Foxes. Holy cow! That's right. <laughs> I played. I played with a walking boot on because I wanted to play, and I played goalie. And we were good enough that we could have someone play goalie with a cast on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we won the game. <laughs> I remember that now. Well, it's interesting. Yeah. Like even talking with you and thinking, knowing you so well, I totally forgot that you had that challenge you know that of injury when you were so young but it does it shows your resilience and your um, drive you know that your drive to get back from something and in college you tore your ACL was that your sophomore year I tore it so if there's ever a time to tear your ACL knock on wood I did it I guess at the right time I tore it um, the last game of my junior year Mm. Um, we were playing Florida State in the second round of playoffs, um, and I tore it. And so I was, I was actually lucky enough to not miss a single game, um, and I was back for our first preseason game my senior year yeah. at Cal. So When you think about that moment, do you, like, transport back there? What do you remember about that day? Yeah, I remember we were in Tallahassee. It was kind of a, a kind of a nasty night, um, and I think we were tied. Um, and someone, you know, it was a set piece, and I was, I'm kind of tall and somewhat fearless, so I was always like one of the targets in the air for mm-hmm. any set pieces. Um, and there was a set piece, and they threw the ball into the box, and I just remember going up for it. And in the air, I kind of got sandwiched between two very strong for the state girls um and I landed really funky and you know it hurt like crazy but I think adrenaline kicks in and I think in my head I'm like oh I just I think I you know hyperextended my knee a little bit should be fine you know no problem and I started trying to walk on it and it hurt so bad it was Mm. overwhelming how bad it hurt and so I kind of asked if I could at least be taken off the field for a sec just to have it looked at. Yeah. Um, and it was strange. I didn't swell up at all. So that, too, made me think this can't be that bad. Um, but I had also heard a pop. So and other girls around me had heard it, too. So we thought probably something happened. And, you know, our trainer at the time tested my did the ACL test and just nothing was there. Uh. Um, and he he was like, you're not going back on. Um and I think it, it was a weird moment. I think the whole team was so focused on the game. You know, this was the playoffs, and I think they just subbed someone else in, and, and we just got through the rest of the game. And frankly, like, my injury wasn't the focus anymore. Yeah. It was, like, let's win this game. Um, and so that moment of, like, feeling really sorry for myself and then realizing that, like, I need to focus on helping, like, doing everything I can to cheer and get the team to win. We unfortunately lost, but... um that was the moment and then I remember you know getting on the bus after and my knee was just throbbing Mm. um and our assistant coach goalkeeping coach at the time Maite who had also torn hers um recently like the year prior came up to me and she said this and I will never forget it she said today is your only day you can feel sorry for yourself Mm. tomorrow we move on and I was like because like I was feeling very sorry for myself. Yeah. Um, And she said that and pointed at me, you know, pointing her finger at my face. And it stuck. And I, like, honestly, it worked. 
because mm. the next day I was like, all right, onwards, like, let's do this. And I started prehabbing and I think that um, was hugely beneficial was like get strong before you even go into surgery. Yeah. So. Oh, absolutely. But I'm like, I got the yeah. chills from her saying that, you know, I, I think about those moments all the time. Like, um, my, the last time I tore my ACL was in a game and it was just like, I got carted off or I got like taken off the field and I went into the locker room and I was like, it's so weird. Like injuries are so weird to me because like you are so crucial to that team and then you get injured and it's just like, ugh, you're disposable. You're out. You're yeah. off the field. Yeah. It's just like, it's like, so, it's such a weird mix of emotions, but like makes me really angry about sports, but it also is like in life, like I think it is such a good reminder that like we cannot dwell on the things that we cannot control and we have to only control what yeah. we can. And like what she said to you right there is it, you know, like, yes, you have to cry. Yes. You have to feel sorry for yourself and ask why and be pissed. But like, you cannot do you can't dwell on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You dwell or deal. Yeah. That's like kind of, I feel like that in that moment, I kind of developed that motto hmm. and it stuck. Dwell or yeah. deal. So was the process for you of rehabbing, um, pretty easy? What did you find? Um, what did you find rewarding and maybe what did you find most difficult about it? Good questions. Um, I'll maybe I'll kind of reframe it and like mistakes I made and, yeah. oh, and yeah. things I think I did right. Um, I, at the time, my, my boyfriend at the time and I had planned a trip to Mexico over a winter break. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, well, I don't want to be there with like my knee all like post post surgery. So I actually put surgery off for a little bit and got it in the new year after our winter break. And I went to, to Mexico with him with a torn, you know, I tore my ACL, MCL, and meniscus. Mm. And um, <clears throat> my mindset at the time was like, well, if I mess it up, like mess it up more, they'll, you know, they'll fix it in surgery. Mm. <laughs> Which I guess that's something a 19-year-old would say. Oh, people um, say that to me all the time. And, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, no, you have to respect, like, the trauma your body is dealing with and don't make it any worse. Mm. Um, and so I was like trying to play soccer on the beach and running around. Um, and I'm not sure that was the best idea, but, um, uh, I, outside of that, I actually started. And so that was a mistake, but I think something I did right was I did start focusing a lot on getting strong before surgery so, mm. and keeping my mobility, good, like my mobility as, as close to as it was naturally right and so that I think was important um I got acupuncture a few times before surgery yeah. and I think there's a lot of different views on acupuncture but I really think it worked um just to calm the, the, the system heading into a pretty invasive surgery uh-huh. um and I got a my hamstring I, I use my hamstring yeah. tendon so replacement ACL. So, um, frankly, like, knock on wood, I think I was pretty lucky, but I had a pretty smooth uh, rehab experience. The other mistake I'd say I made, but this is maybe reflective of my obsessive personality a little bit, is when I got cleared to to spin on the bike, uh, our trainer was like, all right, Caroline, you're cleared to do, like, 20 minutes, no um, no resistance on the bike. Uh-huh. And I was like itching to be active again. And so I went and did two spin classes at our, oh <laughs> at gosh. our gym at the, at, Ber- in, at Berkeley, um, like two 45 minute spin classes just went nuts and felt so good to break a sweat again, all the things. Um, and my knee swelled up like a balloon uh, the next day, and I that might have been more painful than the actually actual injury itself. Mm. So I set myself back, you know, a little bit with that. So another lesson I'd say is don't rush, don't yeah. rush the the rehab and the process. You have to respect it. It takes time. Why do you think we're so, so <laughs> wanting to like? why do we think we know what to do? Like the, your trainer told you to do this. Right. And I, you know, I did similar things too. Is like your trainer said you can do this. And why, why do you think it's in us to like rebel and be like, Oh, I can do more than that. You think it's just that drive that has been built within us for so long. 
Yeah, I think it's that drive, and I think it's all the experiences had growing up and through our life where your body was saying, I can't do this, and your mind said, yes, you Mm. can, and then you did it. Mm -hmm. I think that's, and, like, I love that feeling. I think that's that's truth. Like, that's that pain and that breaking through a barrier like that. Like, that's finding truth. Mm. Um, And so that's a good thing most of the time it's not when you're injured yeah yeah <laughs> uh, so I think for me that was it it's like oh my mind like wants to be back and my body feels strong and ready um but my knee wasn't and yeah I had to learn a pretty tough lesson that way but do yeah you, do you remember because you know those are all physical things right we we I think the physical side of rehab for me personally was like, yeah, there was difficulties in it, but it wasn't like undoable. Like it wasn't that it was that challenging because we did that all the time, right? We pushed to the point of like breakdown and then we broke through instead. And, but for, for me and like a lot of people I talk to, the mental side is so hard. Do you, do you remember what you did on a mental side or was school a big part of the way that you got through that? those um you know not having sport in your life right then school I would say school helped you know my my teammates my boyfriend at the time helped so much too um one of my still bestest friends in the world Christine was actually rehabbing her ACL at the same time she was like a couple months ahead of me Mm -hmm. and so kind of going through it with her and seeing the progress she was making and seeing like okay like this is where I'm at today and in two months I'll be where Christine is. And, um, it was kind of a, it was a good reference point for me throughout rehab. Mm. Um, and also just having perspective of, um, you know, my first day I walked into rehab at Memorial stadium at Cal and there was a gymnast in the room who was sitting in a wheelchair because she had literally essentially blown out both her knees and had to like get surgery on both of them at the same time and again you know you saw these moments of feeling a little sorry for yourself and being frustrated and I saw her and I was like I I have no room to complain yeah you know so having that kind of perspective in a selfish way helped me a lot too because I saw her in in that in that rehab facility every day yeah that's Um, really good and that helps too. Yeah. yeah, it is really good. I think perspective when you're going through something difficult is is so key because um, you know it can always be worse. And um, the fact that we did we do have the ability to like get fixed and to rehab and to get better, like those are all blessings if you think about it. You know, those are all positives in this. Like, because some people can't get fixed and some people can't get better and. Mm. Um, so perspective is so huge. And do you remember how that changed you? Do that first game back. So when you got to return, cause you said you didn't miss one game with Cal. So you got to return that next season, your senior season, and you got to go play with your team. Do you remember getting back on the pitch and how that felt? Yeah, it was, um, it was a, com- it was complicated actually. And mm-hmm. not only because of my knee, um, we had actually gotten a new coach my senior year, a new head coach, um, and he was great. And I remember him coming in and just, and kind of polling the team, asking the team, you know, like who should be like a captain yeah. this year. Um, and the, you know, the kind of consensus was, you know, me and, and a couple other ladies are, are kind of the leaders of this team. And so he had called me and said, you know, we want you to be captain this year. And I accepted and was so like, excited about it and I felt like it was going to help me focus on something beyond just getting back from my knee um and then I guess after further deliberation they realized like we actually really want Caroline focusing on her knee and so they kind of like rescinded the offer which was a little complicated for me um and a bit of a bummer but I understood you know it was his first you know one of his first major decisions as a new coach and he wanted to get it right and I and I understood that. So it was a little complicated um, heading into it. Yeah. Kind of sad that that hadn't happened. However, stepping onto the pitch the first game, I just remember thinking, like, no matter what, I'm going to go. I'm not going to play afraid. Mm. Like, because if I play afraid of doing it again, like, 
that's I'm probably going to be even more vulnerable to doing yeah. it again. So I just played so hard and I like went into tackles strong, knowing that like after rehab, you're actually in a lot of ways stronger because mm-hmm. um, you focus on like all the little muscles we kind of forget about when we're healthy. Um, and so I, you know, I played hard. I think we won. I don't really remember. <laughs> I probably played pretty shitty. I don't know. <laughs> but I just remember I doubt. My, my, you know, my, atti- my attitude going into it was like, don't be afraid. Yeah. Get stuck in. Yeah. Well, the, the, yeah. the amount of games that you didn't play well, I think, is few and far between. So I think, um, no, you know, just <laughs> you know knowing you and everybody hearing this podcast is they're going to understand that you are pretty hard on yourself and you demand greatness. And um, that's one of the reasons that you were, you know, you are and you were so successful, not only in your sport, but what you're doing now. And, um, you know, then college ends, right? And there's a little bit of opportunity to play soccer still but had you had you kind of fallen out of love of of what the game had given you or were you just ready for the next opportunity yeah that's actually a perfect way of, of saying it is like I I think I think the game had essentially given me all I was I was ready to take from it um and I was, I could feel myself kind of burning out like the last game of our I was really sad for our season to be over Second round of playoffs versus Stanford, lost in PKs. Don't want to talk about it. Still mad about it. Well, <laughs> we can both boo but, Stanford. Um, That's fair. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, I was I was ready. I, I was mostly ready to be done mm. um, and do other things. And I moved to San Francisco, got a job in the city here <clears throat> in finance. And was kind of playing for the Olympic club here in the city, mostly because I still adored all the soccer players that were playing in the city and wanted to be part of that, that mm-hmm. group. But I could just tell each weekend, like I wasn't as good as I used to be. We were playing against players that also weren't as good as I used to be. <laughs> and playing at that level, like I couldn't reconcile that. Mm. I couldn't, I couldn't enjoy it as much. Um, and I had a hard time and really, really going into it. So, and also, frankly, I saw a lot of girls who now we're all work, working full time. To your earlier point, we didn't have the like support of a rehab facility and a full team of athletic trainers. Right. Um, and a lot of girls were getting hurt. Like yeah. I saw again, my best, you know, my bestest girlfriend, Christine, who I rehabbed with in college. I saw her throw right next to me in a game where we were up six zero on mm. just a random Saturday. Mm. And um, I kind of was like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not into this anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so after, you know, a season or two, I, I, uh, I knew I wasn't committed and I don't, I don't like that feeling. So I, I, I guess I officially retired from soccer. Right. <laughs> your yeah. first, your first retirement. I always, people always joke with me about that. They're like, okay, you retired. I'm like, yeah, we did. We retired from playing a sport that's really hard. Um, but like, that wasn't it, right? That couldn't have been it because you talk about, okay, you were like itching to work out when you were going through your ACL injury. You know, there was, there's always been this drive within you for success and like greatness. And how did you find what, you know, what that next step was to try to achieve something? Yeah, I think, um, I think there's two pieces to like uh, how how I got to where I, what I'm doing now. Uh Um, And one is like, it's good to, it's good to finish college with a little unfinished business. Mm. Um, You know, I, I played pretty well, but like didn't do as well as I wanted to in college and our team did well, but we didn't go as far as I wanted to go in playoffs and we didn't, you know, we didn't win pack tens, all these things, and I, I don't think I lived up to my own potential in college, in a lot of ways. And so, I think having that um, feeling deep down, it's like a little unfinished business. It's kind of like this, um, it's like this water simmering deep down, and mm. you like it still needs to come to the boil. Um, and so I had that, and I just needed to figure out where to channel it. Um, and so. You know, I might have been burnt out on soccer, but I wasn't burnt out on, like, athletics and sports and 
trying to to get better every day. And so my when I was actually rehabbing my knee, uh, my junior year summer going into senior year, I had an internship in the city at this company called IMG. And uh-huh. at the time they put on um, a triathlon called Escape from Alcatraz. And you swim, you say, take the photo of the Alcatraz and then you jump off a boat and you swim back to shore and then you ride your bike and then you run. And it was, and so I put that whole event on and I met all the professional athletes and I saw the whole thing as an insider and I just thought it was awesome. So, you know, that seed had been planted uh-huh. my junior year essentially. Yeah. And I was so, I just was so intrigued by it. And I remember saying to myself that day, I was like, I was, I'm going to do that one day. Um, and it took me, you know, a few years. I think my first triathlon was like in 2010, but um, it took me a few years to get into the dating sport to get into. But um, I started doing that and was able to kind of channel that energy into into a new sport as an adult. Gosh, I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. I have watched you do this and start something new, and not just like start it, but man, Caroline, you have approached it with the same vigor that you approached being a soccer player you know like that those little things all mattered you know those little things all counted along the way and you might have started your first triathlon in 2010 or whatever but like the progress you've made in in really a short amount of time is is staggering so it's it's so cool to watch you succeed in the way that you have and not only to do that but like to see that you're like I don't know how, but like you really enjoy it. <laughs> Cause I, I think know, about I it. I'm like, I don't know how to do that all. Like, how do you do that? I can barely <laughs> go on a three mile walk. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, I, uh, well, first of all, I feel like very lucky to, to be healthy enough to still do all of this. I mean, not to say that it, it doesn't sometimes hurt and I feel older and like, it takes me longer yeah. to recover from, races and all that but I I do feel so lucky to to be healthy enough to still do it um at the level I'm doing it at uh but yeah you have to again I think to what we were talking about earlier like you kind of you gotta love the process of progressing um and with endurance sports specifically I mean it is very black and white in a lot of ways it's like if you put in the work you see you know you you get results um, and that's, uh, a lot of people say to me when they find out that I do Ironman and, and long distance triathlon, usually the response is you're crazy. <laughs> and I usually think to myself, okay, but like, no, I'm just searching. Yeah. Like I'm just searching for like that truth. And oftentimes you have to find that by doing really hard shit mm-hmm. and, facing facing yourself head on and like frankly endurance sports is like the best way to do that um and I love it I love like it's the best therapy I you know I need I probably need a therapist but I have endurance sports and that's good enough yeah (laughs) um I should probably meditate but I do long runs instead and that's good enough um so yeah there's a lot of things about it that that I love that's so cool that because it is you know it's so much time with yourself pushing your limits and like the things that you've learned you learn about yourself in those times are you know probably supersede a lot of the other lessons that you've learned is there anything in particular that you're like I've learned this about myself by becoming this endurance athlete oh what's one thing that's a good question I'd say what I've learned is that, oh man, I'm like, I'm a pretty stubborn person. Uh, and again, I, I am not sure. I wasn't always sure that's a good quality. I, it, it isn't always actually, but in endurance sports, it's a very good quality. And sometimes like in order to learn the hard lesson, or like learn the most about yourself, like with you, Jordan, mm-hmm. and going through like building the ACL club, like it's pretty tough. Mm-hmm. And the only way to do it is to stick with it. And you have to be pretty stubborn to do that. You have to be like, no, I want to build this and I'm going to build this and it's going to work. Um, otherwise you won't, you know, if you're not, if you don't have that like stubborn nature of 
stick to it, stick to it, sticking to it, you know, you won't, you won't really like get to know what you're capable of. Mm, that's and good. so I think that's, that's maybe what I learned the most. What I always say to myself, like before any race is all right, like this is going to hurt. It's going to be painful, but I'm ready for that. And but like pain is truth and I'm mm. ready for that truth. Hmm. And like, can't run from the pain so go towards it as jay-z would say yeah yeah <laughs> wow really did you just drop jay-z lot. in there I, really, <laughs> I did i was listening to his uh album on my way to work this morning yeah got so pumped up oh I got so pumped up You're like is it time to work it out awesome. yet uh, <laughs> yeah so you know what else is cool is like how you use your experience of like okay really tapping into that potential that you had as a young player, right? And like going into college and then you said it just a, f- you know, just a few minutes ago. It's like I don't feel like I left there doing everything I could have done. And now you're using that as like fire to go into this next realm of life, you know, as an athlete and saying like I know that there's more and it's really interesting that in those moments where you could give up, right? It's so easy to give up mm. in those moments when it gets hard. You're like you know that fuel that you've had and you've um lived through keeps reminding you keeps reminding you like no. Like this is it's when it's hard is when it's worth it. Oh, 100%. And like when if you always have that feeling that there's more it can maybe it can feel kind of stressful at times and it can maybe make you feel a little anxious but that's so good Mm. like as long as you know how to harness it and handle the anxiety or stress that might come with feeling like there's got to be more like Uh there's got to be more as long as you can handle that and then harness it in the right way you're going to learn so much about yourself Uh and uncover like actually this sounds cheesy but like and actually see what you're made of yeah yeah no for sure 100 percent um so as you've gone into this new world of being a endurance triathlete what if what has been like the the coolest thing that you've accomplished so far um, a couple of cool. I've I've had the opportunity to to qualify for the Ironman World Championship, and I've raced it three times now. Um, last year, yeah, last year. So that's the you have to qualify for it, and another Ironman event. Um, and so essentially, you know, the top the top triathletes in the world compete at the World Championship every year in in Kona in Hawaii. Um, and it's just a it's just a really like powerful event it's really hard the conditions that make it super tough so you have to show up ready to to endure um and i've done it three times two times i had pretty rough days um and then this past in 2018 i had a pretty good day still had some challenges but i was you know 16th in the world oh my gosh is pretty cool you know for my category um and i was i would say i'm i'm pretty proud of that um and, you know, I'm at the same time, like it's, this is a similar to me being proud of my 1500 juggles in the backyard by myself, but like I can keep up on bike rides with my husband now. Yes. <laughs> like I'm also very proud of that. Yeah. He's an, an incredible cyclist. Um, he's also an incredible supporter of mine. Um, and I truly, I don't think I'd be able to do any of this without him, but like the fact that I can even hang with him on a bike right now is like pretty yeah. proud of that too yeah. I've seen his calves they're impressive yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's amazing and so cool you know I didn't even know I knew that you were you've been at Kona and you've been at those world championships a few times but I did not know that last stat 16th girl man that is just that is incredible yeah. and maybe is that what sparked this new um, path this year? Because I know that you're entering into your first year as a professional, what do you call it? Triathlete? Yeah. Professional triathlete. Um, I, I've qualified for it a few times. Like you have to qualify in a, in a race as an Mm -hmm. amateur. Okay. Um, There's certain qualification requirements. Um, And I had qualified for it a few times, but wasn't ever quite ready to, to, take the plunge and 
you know, a lot of the women that are racing as a professional triathlete, they're doing it full time. So they don't have a job and they're fully focused on it and totally committed only to triathlon. So I was always worried about like competing against that. Cause I work, you know, I work full time in finance and, uh, I just last year, I think I started thinking about if my, you know, myself in five or 10 years and looking back and saying, you didn't even try Caroline. Hmm. And you had a chance, you had an opportunity, and you didn't take advantage of it. And so, yeah, after Kona, I have a coach, and after Kona, I chatted with my coach and my husband, and, you know, we realized, like, hey, let's do this. You know, let's start Let's start now and start training slightly smarter and nailing the basics and focusing more on the little things you can control um, to kind of optimize your life and, you know, make this the best we can and so I haven't I have yet to do a pro race my first one's in about a month but um I'm gonna do it yes why not why you know? not <laughs> why not I mean you're already there you've already been able to qualify you know and I think that's the perfect way to live is like we're giving these opportunities for a reason and the only yeah. thing that I think we look back and have regrets on our inaction, not action. You know, I think the times where we act, maybe not jumping off, maybe not jumping off a balcony, but, um, (laughs) full full circle. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, but I think inaction leads to regret. And I think that you are, it, I'm just so proud of you and it is probably a lot, you know, scary. It's probably exciting. Um, but what do you feel most like? Can you not wait to get into that first race? Oh gosh, what do I feel most? I think, <clears throat> I think I feel most excited and and not excited to like win a race because that's a very low probability at this point. But excited to like know that I'm putting on my big girl pants and (laughs) racing against women that like I've looked up to for years now and I'm excited because I know it's the worst possible outcome is that it's going to up my game Mm. um, and make me better so I'm excited about that Um, I'm also super nervous um, about you know failing miserably uh, at the same time, but as long as I'm defining success as upping my game and getting better and learning yes. about myself, and maybe I surprise some people along the way, then that's all I can ask for. Yeah, it's just that redefinition of yeah. success, right? And um, I think with that yeah. and that growth mentality, like you, you can't lose. You, you really can't. And um, that is so cool. I can't wait to hear how it goes. And I want to know though, before I ask you kind of the last questions here for the podcast, I want to know, because you are, you have to be so mentally strong to go through, um, these races that you go through. Is there like a mantra or something that you think to yourself when you're running that, you know, when it does get difficult or, um, when you feel like an obstacle has come up, how do you refocus your brain onto something that you know is positive or is going to help you in those moments? Um, I, I try and make it the whole thing. I try and lighten the mood, Mm. frankly. Um, like when you're really hurting and you're in the hurt locker and you just don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, a mile 17 of a marathon at the end of an Ironman, Mm. I really try and like take a deep breath and lighten the mood. Um, and I don't know if this is suitable for the podcast, but I just tell my, I like take a deep breath and I say, like, it ain't no shit. Yeah. Or like, like it ain't no thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and that honestly, it helps so much. It puts a smile on my face. I like feel so relaxed when I say that. And it also reminds me that like I chose to do this. Mm. Um, and just lightening the mood helps so much because it's already so hard and so intense. Um, and I'm already so intense that I have to remind myself to like relax mm-hmm. and just take it in stride. Um, and so I say that to myself a lot. Yeah. I say like, I don't know shit. I love that. Uh, and it works. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> um, and for you, you know, it, being a, a pro now, you know, you're like a pro. Um, yeah. What's I'm the pro. goal? What's the goal here? What's what do you see? Yeah, like... I see the goal. Yeah, the like tangible goal. 
Um, you know, there's a, a world championship. I'm going to race a shorter distance this year. I'm going to focus on uh, half Ironmans. Okay. Um, and there's a world championship in September. It's like just as competitive and a lot of the same athletes do it. Um, so, hey, if I can get a slot and go race with the best at the professional level, that would be uh, an incredible success. And that is a lofty goal, but a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say outside of that, you know, my goal is to surprise some people and see how fast I can get. Mm. Like it ain't no shit. Like it ain't no shit. <laughs> Like, I just already know. I know. I feel it. Like, um, I'm so excited for this year for you. I'm just, like, so lucky to call you a friend and to have watched you uh, find that new passion, you know, and and just really rock it. Like, it's been so cool. And uh, I'm glad we got to share your story, Liney. Me too, Jordy. I'm so proud of you, too. Um, You are, like deeply impacting so many people and helping them on their journey. Um, I always knew you'd do big things. Um, yeah, and I'm so proud of you. Thank you. And I have to ask you, you know, you, you see, oh. you see your knee all the time, right? Like whether you're running or you're on your mm-hmm. bike and you get to see those scars, what do your scars mean to you? Oh man. They just like, they make you more interesting. They mean you have stories to tell. Mm. You know, they mean that, like, you've been through it and came out the other end. Yes. Um, I'm so proud of all my scars. I'm so proud of all my scars from bike crashes. Like, you should see my elbows. They're just um, all ripped up. And, like, I'm proud of them because I remember, like, every situation and where I was and what I was doing and what I was doing and where I was at the time. I'm really proud of what I was doing. Mm. So, yeah, it means all those things. I love that. It means you have a story and you came yeah. through on the other side. I love it, Liney. Um, totally. Thank you. And we're going to have to get an update on, on how it goes. So we'll be all all following along. Thanks for sharing, <laughs> sharing your story. Yeah, girl. Thanks, Jordy. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation I had with Caroline Coble. She is a lifelong friend. And as you can tell, she just... The girl puts in work, and she continues to overcome a lot of obstacles. You can follow her along. I will tag her Instagram handle in here, and you can follow her along as she continues to compete in her first year as a professional triathlete, uh, competing in Ironman all over the world. She just got back from Argentina, I believe, recently, and she just has a really good perspective because she takes everything and whether she feels like she succeeded in the eyes of, you know, the place that she got in the Ironman, it, it doesn't matter. She's always talking about how she learned from every situation, how, you know, fifth makes you learn just as much as fourth, as much as, you know, 200th. She's just learning throughout this whole journey as she continues to overcome these different obstacles and barriers that are in her way. So we wish her the best of luck. Love talking to her. If you guys want to write a review, remember you can be featured in the podcast. I would love to read your review and let everybody know how this podcast is helping you. So make sure you write a review wherever you listen to the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, on SoundCloud. And we are reading one review at the beginning of each podcast. So thank you guys so much. I hope What Caroline said and what all of our athletes on here say inspired you to go show your scars. She said, scars mean you have a story and you came through on the other side. So keep pushing through, keep going, and keep showing your scars with pride.